Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 106 of Process to Profitability. Today, I am talking about growing from a local community to communities around the world with Violet de Ayala. She goes into a ton of really good topics and is very encouraging, talking about her journey from working in corporate to building the Fem City community and growing it to be worldwide. We talk about the struggles that come along with building something from the ground up with limited funding and where she is now in her business with her team and the growth of the community. We also talk about what people can do if they're struggling to love their work and how they can evaluate things. One of the big focuses of Fem City is making sure that they are of service to others, which fits right in with this podcast. And so I was very excited to bring it to you guys today. Violette is a Cuban American serial and social entrepreneur, founder of Fem City, and virtual mentor to over 20,000 women. She's been quoted in Success, Entrepreneur, CNBC, Yahoo Small Business, Business Insider News as a small business expert and has been featured in campaigns in People, InStyle, and Real Simple magazines. She served as part of the White House Women on Environmental Leaders program and has been a keynote speaker for many different organizations. Her organization aims to help a million women start businesses, and I love that about her business and the honesty that she brings to this interview. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'd love to have you tell us a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Um, I read your bio at the top of the show, so if you could just go over that, that would be awesome. Sure. I'm the founder of Fem City. I'm Violet Ayala. I'm actually first-generation Cuban-American, and my purpose and intention in life is to help as many women as possible move forward in launching a business, growing some money, and making beautiful connections around the world. So how did you get started building the community and growing that? It was actually by accident, <laughs> uh, which probably shocked some people. I um, had a Pilates studio in North Carolina, and I ran that for about 10 years. And really the success of that Pilates studio came from a small group that I belonged to. And all we would do is meet monthly for little potlucks and just support each other. There were also women uh, business owners and really they just inspired me so much and they helped me with little tips and um, served as a focus group for me for many, many years. And when we moved from North Carolina back to Miami, my hometown, I took on a job at the Four Seasons doing the marketing PR for the club and spa there. And I was going to all these networking events and all these um, connection gatherings. And it didn't matter if it was $100 a ticket or $20 a ticket or free. I just always left feeling a little empty. And so throughout those couple of years coming back to Miami, I grew more and more frustrated with not finding that connectivity to the community that I so desired. Even though the events were beautiful and wonderful, the swag bags are remarkable. Um, Miami definitely knows how to throw parties. I just always was left with just craving more. And so after a couple of years of asking friends like, oh, you should start a women's group. You should start a women's group. And people looking at me like, 
I was crazy. I went ahead and said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start a women's group. And it'll just be a handful of women. We'll meet once a month. Uh, we'll meet at beautiful restaurants. And we will just inspire and help each other out. The first time I did one of our gatherings, it was really boring. And I love sharing that because sometimes we have these really beautiful ideas in our minds and these goals and they don't turn out to be that way and we give up. The first Fem City event was boring and it had no format and I didn't know what I was doing and I kind of was a little deflated. The second time I hosted a Fem City Miami gathering, we had 60 women and that was really kind of a beautiful aha moment for myself because it was the first time I walked into a room and I could hear the murmur of conversations, which just makes me so happy. I saw women of every age bracket, you know, industry experience, color of skin, height, weight, uh, religion, it just everyone was there and they were just all so beautiful working together. And that one was a little bit too much formatting. So I had two speakers and we had a lot of activities. And so the third time I did a Fem City event, it was really beautiful. And I thought to myself, this is exactly what I was missing in my life. Just a, a small group of women that come together that just want to help each other out and all want to rise together. And that's really how it all started with just kind of growing it in my backyard. So how did you get the word out to these women that you had 60 people at your second meeting from all these different backgrounds? How did they find out about it? Did you do a lot of marketing? Was it word of mouth? How did that work? You know, I think the bulk of it was from the first 20 women that heard about it. Even though I didn't find it to be successful, they found value in it and they shared it with their friends. And we also posted it in the Miami Herald. It has like, you know, most local newspapers have like a calendar where you can submit calendars, uh, events um, that are free or for the community. And I think the combination, you know, something about the words that we used made it so that people, when they read it, they were like, wow, this is different. You know, it's not what I've been going to. This is something that I need in my life also. And they came out, I mean, I think that second event, I probably knew only five or six women. Everybody else was a complete stranger to me. And I really think it was like the, the name of the organization, the way that we, at the time, our slogan was innovative business communities for women. And it just always resonated with the spirit of being of service to other women. And I think that captured an audience, you know, demographic that were kind of feeling the same as I was, you know, they weren't fans of networking. They found also frustration in going to all the networking events, not really creating business relationships that were found and beneficial to generating revenue and branding opportunities. And, um, that's really how it started. It was really, it's always been a grassroots kind of organic growth. That's awesome. Now you had mentioned that you kind of started out because you wanted to build this community, but has that changed? Has the focus of kind of what you're doing changed over time? And if it has, you know, how was it impacted by the people who were coming to your events? Oh my gosh, we've totally evolved. <laughs> and I love sharing this part too, because I think so many times women start businesses and, or they start projects and they get upset when they have to change or edit or tweak. So when we first started Fem City, it was purely networking luncheons. And they were always like the last Friday of the month or the third Friday of the month. And they were always from 12 to 2.30 and they all had the exact same format. And what happened was um, Google reached out to us. So one of their reps had actually attended one of our connection luncheons here in Miami. And she reached out and said, you know, we have this new program. It's Google Hangouts and Google Circles. And we really want to help small businesses, you know, start using this platform. We'd love to teach some classes for your members. And um, 
I thought, wow, that's a great opportunity for that. You know, uh, let's do it. So Google actually hosted some of the classes for our members in various cities. We had about maybe 12 locations at the time. And then Yelp, um, again, one of their reps attended one of our lunches and they were also looking at starting to get more um, women business owners to use Yelp. And so there was a little bit of fear for some of our members, you know, if I'm on Yelp, what happens, I get a negative review, you know, what happens, how do I even get on there? And so the combination of having Google and Yelp and having those classes really made us evolve into being there not only for networking events, but then also providing classes for our members that were feeling a little bit lost. You know, I think the digital era took some of these brick and mortar business owners for a little bit of a run. You know, they, things just changed overnight, it seemed, and they really needed help in the digital platform. So that really propelled us into that space. We then started to do more and more classes. We started to do more online summits. And now we do an ongoing series of classes that are proposed by our members. You know, like we just had a whole bunch of classes last week, how to use HoneyBook, how to create a Facebook business page, how to create Facebook um, engaging com like posts and engaging posts on Instagram. So really all we do now in that area is just listen to what our members need and then we find the teachers to teach those classes. So that's one aspect that we definitely evolved in. The other aspect I think that we added more of is kind of like the spirit of Fem City. So we say that a lot and some people think, well, what does that even mean? It, we felt like the world with women in business, we felt like the world just didn't have enough gratitude and we didn't have that enough in our culture and society. And so we started really bringing those components into our gathering. So now it's part of the collective programming. So it starts off with a positive you know, mantra that's read and it, and it just reminds us why we're here. You know, it reminds us that we're here to help each other, to be of service in a positive, uplifting way. We also start out with sharing gratitude about ourselves. You know, we found that women weren't honoring themselves. You know, they were kind of hustling through, you know, managing all these areas of their lives and business that really never took the time to say, wow, I really am so proud of myself for accomplishing these major goals or for putting that proposal together or whatever it is. And so we incorporated that and then we incorporated more of the gratitude to other women. So we verbalize that at our local gatherings. When we stop and honor other women, whether they're in the room or across the ocean, it doesn't matter. But we wanted to really start bringing in that sensation that we're part of a bigger picture. We're all connected. And the more kindness that we share, the more that we help our sisters, the more we all kind of rise to that next level that we all envision for ourselves. So those are two just kind of specific areas that we definitely changed and altered feeling the groove on the way of what we, how we could be of service in a bigger way to those that we served. And uh, are your members mostly brick and mortar stores or is it kind of all over the place? Yeah, I think it's all over the place. It's funny when we first started, we definitely had more type A's. We had a lot more um, attorneys, physicians, uh, wealth management, and then as the years have gone by, I mean, we've been doing it for 10 years, we started seeing more women in their mid-40s who perhaps were working for um, a corporation and then just decided, you know what, I want to do my own thing. I've always wanted to design handbags or jewelry. I'm going to do that. And then we also saw a growing trend of women over 60, you know, again, kind of going through the same pattern, like the kids are all out. Um, maybe they have a second or third husband, you know, or maybe they're just finally single or whatever it is. And they're just like, I'm going to live my life the way I want to. And they're stepping forward into being a realtor or a yoga instructor. And then we also started seeing more women in the early 20s. So they were graduating from college and realizing like, I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to be my own boss. I want to freelance. And what does that look like? 
So we definitely, our demographics have evolved since the starting of FemCity, but um, yeah, it's definitely a combination between brick and mortar and those that do online services. You know, we do, we have a lot of coaches, we have um, authors, speakers, um, we have, you know, yoga instructors, we have pretty much every single industry, but it's, it's shifted throughout the years. Okay. So you guys started in a group in Miami, but why did you decide to expand beyond that? You know, you told me that you were all over the U.S. and in other countries. So why expand instead of just staying in your local group? Yeah. So this is funny. So um, I think people look at me like this huge visionary. And so when I share this story, people are like, oh my gosh, like I was clueless. So it was like our fifth or sixth month in Miami and we were always sold out. And one of uh, this woman who used to attend our events came up to me one day and said, you know, I really need this in Fort Lauderdale. I drive all this distance every single month. I panic to get a spot. And I think you're being selfish and not launching this in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> and so when she said that, I was like, I, at the time, by the way, at the, at the time I have, I have three kids. I was raising all three of them. They were all little munchkins. I had a, a full-time, you know, PR marketing company. I was working for the mayor's office. Um, I sat on six boards, not just sat on them, but I was like chairing, like all the fundraising, all of them. And so when someone called me selfish, I was like, I have never been called that. And I was just, I couldn't stop laughing. I was like, wow, that's really intense. And, um, but you know what? She wasn't the first person who had requested a FMC location. So as we started having more and more events, we had no website, we had no business model, we had no membership we just had pictures and we were posting them on Facebook and, um, tw you know, I think Twitter was fairly new as well. Instagram, forget it. wasn't even around, but the pictures what, what was like the thing that was capturing people's attention. They were like, wow, I want to be a part of that. You know, I think they were seeing like women just having a really good time and, and all ages there and all, it was just like really beautiful diversity. And they started asking me, and matter of fact, people would actually email me and say, so who do I talk to? about starting one of these. Like, can you connect me to, to the founder or to like the CEO? <laughs> and I was like, um, that's me, but why? And I, I would even ask them like, why do you even want this? Like, clearly we're just gathering. Like you can gather, you don't need me. Like just ask some friends to get together. It's really simple. But after, you know, when someone tells you you need to read a book or you need to meet somebody and finally after the 10th time, you're like, okay, I will read that book. <laughs> or like, okay, I'll just meet that person. That's really what happened with some city. Like after the 10th person, I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> I will look at launching this um, in other areas. I don't think you need it, but whatever, like you keep asking, so I will do it. And that's really how we started. Um, we launched in Fort Lauderdale. It felt the same. It felt like just so warm and fuzzy and like family. And then we launched in Philadelphia and um, that was a really good test for us because I wasn't going to be there. It had nothing to do with my contacts. It had nothing to do with some city Miami. It was like if it did really well in Philadelphia, then it would have done well anywhere. And it did really well in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia turned out to be one of our largest communities and still is. You know, we've got about 2,000 women in that community. And, um, and then we just kind of started popping all over. But there, was, there has been a lot of evolution. You know, it wasn't like easy, like, oh yeah, boom, like we're all over the place. I mean, there's definitely a lot of like challenges and struggles, but that's really the start, the truth of how we started. It was not like me being like this huge vision, like, oh yes, we will be around the world. <laughs> we're going to, you know, we're going to do this all over the place. It was like, what? You want me to do what? I don't think so. <laughs> so 
Yeah, I love that you really listened to the people who were asking for it. You know, you kind of validated it by making sure it wasn't just one person asking, right, but right. you were willing to go after it when you kept hearing that feedback that other people wanted to do this in different locations. Yeah, and that's the secret. I mean, when people ask me, like, you know, how did you become this visionary? Or how did you, um, this is such a brilliant idea. Like, how did it come to you? And literally, my response is always the same. I just listened. You know, I listened and I listened more and I asked the questions. And even as I launched, I paused and then asked, like, how was that? You know, how can we be better? And even now, you know, we were constantly asking, like, what other classes can we teach? What other items can we bring to you? And, and just listening and then implementing it. That has been the secret of our success is just, you know, being there of service of others, like coming from that point. And not really worrying about like, oh, are we going to be all over the world? Are, you know, are we going to have 18 million people? Like, it's just, how do we serve? How do we honor those that are really seeking help? And, you know, raising my kids and having the ability to be there for them really was just a beautiful way for me to design my life. And I wish that for all women, you know, to have that flexibility to decide how they want to live life, how much they want to make, how many businesses they want to have. And I feel like we're there to, to serve them, to help them with whatever they want in business. So this was not kind of the plan, was to build this worldwide community. So how did you start? What did the funding and kind of the growth look like? Because this was not originally what you were wanting to do. Yeah, so, um, you know, I never, ever, ever envisioned doing what I do now. I actually was on track to run for office here in Miami, you know, worked for two different mayors. I was on all the city boards. So I was on this other track completely like the opposite end. And I felt pulled in this direction. So as we started to launch in other cities, um, what we would do is, you know, women would ask us for a location. And we kind of still do the same thing now is that, you know, when we have enough requests that come in for a certain city, we say, okay, we need to find someone there because we've had five or 10 or 20 requests. And, um, you know, we post on LinkedIn or we post it all over. We start reaching out to our network to see if someone's interested in holding um, the role in that area. That's really how we started to develop. And I will say that we did a lot of intentional pauses. So there were some points where when we were at like 50 locations, things started getting really crazy. And I, I felt like, you know, we need to like always have that feeling of family and the spirit of Femme City. I don't, I don't want it to ever feel like disjointed or like corporate-y. I always want it to feel like really homegrown. So we've done those intentional pauses to make sure that we are steady, that we um, are not getting overwhelmed, that we're not growing too fast. And I think that's also been a really great secret as to how we've actually scaled into all these cities. But it's, um, we definitely go where we're asked to go and we try our hardest to be there um, locally. I think it's really important for women to gather locally face-to-face. -face. There's just something so beautiful. You know, I mean, it's nice online too, but at the end of the day, like to see someone smile in real life is just magic. And um, yeah, so it's, it's definitely... Um, I think I lost my train of thought. Sorry, but I get so like, oh, when I start thinking about people coming together, it just makes me smile. Then I just, my brain goes out the window. <laughs> no, it's, it's awesome that it's something you're so passionate about and that you have really made it the goal of what you're doing. So, you know, you've taken the time to make sure that it still feels like that small local community, even as you've grown. So were there other struggles that came up as you scaled 
that you guys had to overcome and make sure that all of this was working? Because I'm sure it's not easy to find somebody to kind of be the host in a location that you don't actually go to. Right. Um, yeah, the culture of Femme City, that is one thing that, um, you know, when we first started out, when we had a president that would come on board, our training was so, re it was like dinosaur era <laughs> comparison to what it is now. So they'd come on board, we would fly them in, we would uh, rent space, we would gather with like maybe five or six new presidents. My manual at the time, I kid you not, was like this huge binder. It was like, talk about like, you know, wasting trees. It was this huge binder. And, um, you know, that's how we trained people. It was just so not scalable. And um, I remember, so that's one part that we definitely like struggled with is that how do we onboard new leaders without having to go through all of this, right? Flying them in, the expense of that, housing them in a hotel, you know, spending the time getting, you know, the, the, a room, like a meeting space in a hotel, getting the food catered. I mean, it was like a lot of stuff. Now it's like so much easier, right? So just like to kind of compare, they come in, they sign up to be a leader, it directs them to a portal, it has everything there and they're looped into digital classes and we meet with them once a week. I mean, it's just like so much easier. That's one aspect. Another aspect that we've definitely changed that we saw a lot of challenges is that when we got to like 75 or 80 locations, the email marketing was such a nightmare. <laughs> so imagine having 80 to 150 events every month and edits and changes and location and the speaker didn't show up or canceled. I mean, that was logistically a nightmare. And so we had to look at that structure and say, how do we make this easier? You know, how do we make this process really um, streamlined because we don't ever want to have those pieces fall. You know, at the end of the day, we're known for our events and we're known for our classes. So that's really important that those are like on point. So that's even been something that we've had to redo. We've had to redo our website like three times, you know, we had to do our mobile app over twice. So it's, it has not been an easy ride. Like it hasn't been like, oh, that was a perfect day <laughs> with like no glitches or, you know, that was a, a wonderful event that went, you know, we had Judge Marilyn Million as one of our speakers from People's Court. And, uh, you know, the waiters dumps a whole bunch of marinara sauce, like, in front of everybody. I mean, like, oh, no. those, those kind of things, like, happen to, you know, it's just like you have to go with the flow. But, again, I go back to, like, you projecting, like, where you're going to be. How can you be better? How can you streamline yourself to even be more scalable is a constant conversation for us. Like, it's constantly, like even with, you know, our referral program, like we just redid that, you know, last week, like how do we make it so it's now three tiered versus one tiered. So it's uh, exhausting, but I think that's why we've been so successful is that we're just always in that fluid state of knowing we have to always keep up so that when our members get to that point, we have it ready for them and it's perfect. Yeah. And it sounds like you have a team around you, not just the presidents in the other cities, but people who are actually working with you. So how did you develop that? What do they help with? Kind of how did you figure out that aspect of running this? Yeah. So at the beginning, um, <laughs> at the beginning, I had every hat. <laughs> so like I ran every hat. It was kind of crazy. And um, the best advice I can give the way that we used it is as we started to grow, I became very comfortable with creating processes and then releasing it and hiring it to somebody else. So our first hire was um, someone to do our bookkeeping. 
that was um, something huge. I'm not a bookkeeper. I'm good with numbers, but I don't care. Like that's not my thing. I'm more of a creative. So I definitely, that was one of our first hires. And then doing the email marketing um, and then the social media posts on Instagram. So then that was our next hire. So I think what our strategy was is because we didn't have bazillion dollars. You know, a lot of our competitors have like, you know, 500 million funding and uh, they have like, you know, all these amazing speakers and they can like, you know, be in every magazine. Like we just started like really grassroots and all organic. And as more money came in, we would look at the money and say, okay, um, what can I get off my plate? Like, what can I release and give to somebody else so that I can spend time on the development? And little by little, you know, we started like giving out more work and um, giving out more responsibilities, delegating, and then developing our team that way. And um, everyone that works for us, they're all freelancers. They're all women. You know, they all work from home. And it's really a beautiful thing to be able to um, help others grow their business while they're helping Fem City also. And um, we use a lot from Upwork. We use a lot from Fiverr as well. Those have been two great platforms for us. And um, yeah, I mean, it still continues, right? When more money comes in, we're like, okay, what can we do? We just hired a new copywriter. And um, we just hired someone who's going to help us with some advertisement. So it's still kind of the same thing. Do you know what your dream clients see when they come to your website? The only way to figure out how your dream clients are using your website and what makes them leave is to ask them. I've created a special UX test guide that you can get at lemonandthesea.com slash UX test. Inside, you'll learn how to structure a user experience test to get the best results, 18 questions to help you really see your website through their eyes, and my favorite way to find dream clients to help you. You need to look at every stage of your client's journey from landing on your website to completing the final goal through their eyes so that you know what to change right now to start converting more visitors into clients. Get the guide at lemonandthesea.com slash UX test. What role do you feel like you hold in the business now? Or do you feel like you're still doing a lot of the pieces or are you more of that visionary who's kind of directing where you guys are going to go next? Uh, you know what? Now is finally the first time I would say starting last year where I'm able to focus on what I love most, which is the development launching more locations in Canada, working with our director there, launching in Europe, launching more locations in the islands. I'm doing a lot more um, PR and marketing for the brand, forming more partnerships. I feel like I'm finally at the place where I can just work on the visionary aspect and I, I'm not bogged down with all the little details like I once was. I've just gotten there. It's a great place to be. I feel like we just got started, you know? Yeah. And you said you started 10 years ago, so it's taken nine years to get to that yep. point. It was not something that you did right away. No, it took a re it was very painful. <laughs> it was very painful. And I'll add that there were like two years where I didn't pay myself anything. I worked my 40 hours. I had side hustling projects going on where I just, all the money went right back into organization. And I was able, I did a lot of business coaching at the time. I did a lot of speaking engagements. So I had money coming in, but it wasn't coming in through some city. Um, all that money went back into the organization to get it where it is today. So it's, it, it was definitely not like, oh, an overnight success. <laughs> like, boom, I woke up and like, you know, we have 150 locations. It was definitely um, a lot. And I also wasn't experienced in scaling. You know, this is the first business that I've ever really been able to scale in multiple cities. My Pilates studio, you know, we had one major location. We had a couple of satellite locations, but 
it wasn't like it is now. And I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have anyone guiding me. So I made pretty much every mistake you could possibly make. Now I have mentors because um, I've gotten to that place where I can, I'm in that same circle. But my gosh, I, I literally, I struggled a lot trying to find better ways to create what I envisioned in my mind, not knowing how to even do it and not having the money to do it. Yeah. Do you wish that you had been able to kind of find a mentor and have that help earlier? Or are you glad that it worked out the way that it did? Um, you know, it's funny because I, I think I just got my mentors about two years ago. One is Joan Barnes, the founder of Gymboree. She was instrumental in so many changes that I made. Um, the other one is the founder of Lucini Olive Oil, Renee Frigo. Both of those, I think that they came into my life with perfect timing. So even like the other day I was talking to Cheyenne, um, who's now the president of FemCity, and I was telling her that I'm so glad that we didn't launch in 300 or 400 locations because we had all of this infrastructure and processes to kind of tweak and really streamline. I feel like now is really when we're ready to go ahead and, and launch into 400, 500 locations around the world. But we weren't ready. And I think, I don't know if I would have been ready for their advice had it not been 10 years ago or nine years ago. I, I, I can't. I mean, I don't know for sure because I can't go back in time, but I just believe in the timing of life. And I think it's, it was just perfect, you know, and my kids are older now too. So yeah, everything's part of a blessing, I guess. Yeah. So shifting from kind of how you built your business, I'd love to talk about kind of what you work with the women in your communities on and get your advice for business owners or people who are working for somebody else who are struggling to love their work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is um, a challenge that we see often. So it's either, it either happens at the beginning, like where they're looking at doing a new project or taking on um, a career or launching a new business where they don't really know like how to fall in love with the work they want to do. And we also see it where people have been doing something for many years and have lost that loving feeling. You know, they're like no longer connected to it. They actually hate it. It drives them crazy. You know, they're complaining all the time about it. So I, I see that in both kind of scenarios. And the best advice I can give when you're in that situation is to recognize the talents that you were given. I truly believe that every human was born with something that's so magical and unique about themselves and how that talent can help others. Whether it's you have the talent in, you know, being a wellness coach, you know, where you can help people find that balance with nutrition or fitness, or whether you're someone who, you know, does makeup, you just know what looks good, whatever it is, there's always some sort of born talent that's really beautiful and unique that has the power to change others in a really positive way. So I always say to look back to see like, what is that it factor that you were given? And if you don't know what that is, you know, start thinking about what others ask of you. Like when you're out and about with your girlfriends or with, you know, family, like what are advice are they always seeking from you? What are people asking you for often? That would generally gear you towards that love again, because that's, that's where you'll reconnect or connect with the alignment that you need in order to move forward in work. And once you find that talent, then you can add those skills. So if you've lost that connectivity to the work and you connect to that talent that you were given, then add the skills then in order to gear it towards the direction that feels really good for you. There's a beautiful blend there with um, skill, talent, and then purpose. 
And a really good example is I had a cousin of mine who changed jobs and she was rocking her first job. You know, she was there for like almost 15 years, was amazing at it. And they ended up closing the organization. So she ended up hiring on with this other organization and she didn't like it at all. She would never say it, but all of us that were close to her could see. She did not like it at all. And she actually wasn't good at it either. Like, you know, she would try to pitch it and pitch it. And it just wasn't feeling like she liked it. It just felt very awkward. And what she did is she went back to her talent. What, what's her talent? Her talent is connecting people. She's really good at networking. She's really good at bringing people together, forming those connections, like introducing like, oh my gosh, you need to meet so-and-so. So she brought her talent into her role that she didn't like and made it so that it blended and morphed into something that was in alignment with her purpose. And it made it so that the love connection started growing again. And then she started pitching it to me. And I was like, oh yes, now I can see it. Like I can see the love. Because people know if you're not connected to the work that you're doing, your vibe, your energy says it. You could read a script, but at the end of the day, people are like, oh, that was awkward. You know, like that, she doesn't seem to like her job at all or her work at all. Mm-hmm. So you have to have that love base in all that you do. And, um, and you can reconnect to it very easily. Just going back to the foundation, you know, of like, who you are, and what your alignment is. All right. So another thing that you guys really focus on is serving others. So I'd love to know kind of how you work on developing that, both in FemCity and the other business owners who are members of FemCity. Yeah, so I think this is a really big part of society that we sometimes forget. When I sometimes go to networking events, I see people, they come across with the intention of just growing their business. And we're all wanting to grow our business and our brand. I mean, that's just natural. But if we approach the world and every opportunity from the intention of how do I serve others, then it makes the conversation more harmonious and more connected to the spirit of each other. So if you are, um, for instance, we just did a class a couple minutes ago before um, I'm meeting with you called um, how to do sales without being salesy. And we talked about that, like how you're just of service of others, you know, like how, what can I do to help you and come from an authentic place? Not be like, Oh, let me help you with this. And then for sure you're going to scratch my back. You know, I'm going to go back to you and ask for that deal. But if you just focus on when you meet people, asking them questions, getting to know them, following up with them, you know, Hey, I came across this article or I came across an event. I thought of you, or um, I thought of this connection that I think would help you. When you come across like that, people really connect with who you are and they remember you in a very favorable way. And so your chances then of opportunities coming to you grow tremendously because they will think of you when people ask for a referral. They will um, naturally, you'll come to their mind when uh, an opportunity comes across their table if we just stick to that place of how can I be of service to you? And I, I would say even to do it beyond business, like even with your neighbors, with, you know, friends of, you know, that are parents nearby or in your, your child's school or whatever, when you come across from that point of view, it makes others see the beauty within you. And it really makes you make that deep connection that then will help you in life. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think, you know, I've seen that in my own business when, I am willing to just, even from doing websites, you know, if I'm willing to give somebody quick advice or answer an email without expecting them to 
pay me for, you know, my 15 minutes of time, even if they don't end up hiring me, you know, I'm getting information from them. They might refer me to somebody else. And I really just want to help them. And ultimately it ends up building my business and it makes me feel like I'm building these connections with people who we might have something that happens down the road. Absolutely. The karmic side of business. So we say that a lot um, at Bum City, it's the karmic side of business is that, and perhaps you don't get it from that person directly. Like you said, maybe they don't hire you, but maybe because of that connection, somebody else hears of you or knows of your work. And then you get the opportunity that way. And, and I think when I look back at my biggest opportunities, they've all come through that because of people that I know that I've connected that I haven't asked for anything, then they come around and they're like, Oh, you know what? was so impressed by that conversation or you were just so kind. I thought of you for this introduction. You know, it always works out always. Yeah. So my last question as we're talking through this is when somebody is growing their own business, how can they take a step back and really look at how they're doing and make those decisions? You said you guys take pauses. So how could somebody else do that in their own business? Oh my gosh, I love pauses. I love intentional pauses. And I, and I generally feel like we do the intentional pauses before we up-level. So you can do them strategically, like when you are going for an, a, newer, a bigger client or if you're pitching for a project um, or if you're going for a promotion, whatever it is, it's good to do that intentional pause to reflect, to, you know, to reconnect to your alignment, to your purpose. Are you on task? Is this what you really want out of life? You can also review, am I strong enough with all of my processes? You know, is everything as clear and productive as it can be? Am I as efficient as I can be? If all those things are in check, then you can up-level and move forward. Often we find the gaps there when we do that internal checking. You know, it's like, oh, it's like when you're running a marathon, right? I'm going to run a marathon. You're going to go make sure, like, am I okay with my heart? Can I do a mile? I'm going to go ahead and do two miles now. You know, you do those self-checks. You don't just run 50 miles you kind of build up to that and you pause in between and make sure like, am I feeling good? Do my knees feel good? Is my back okay? It's the same thing in business. And I think when you do it intentionally, what happens is that the anxiety doesn't occur. The stress kind of diminishes a little bit because you're planning it out and it's more intentional and thoughtful. I think a lot of businesses fail when they just keep their eye on the money and they're like, oh my gosh, there's an opportunity. I'm going to jump at it. And they jump forward like almost frenetic, like frenetically or like crazy chaotically. And then things fall because they don't have the infrastructure. They didn't develop the team. I mean, even when I had my PR agency um, and I did environmental work, every project I took on, I made sure I had, you know, some freelancers to help me with that project before I said yes to it or before I even moved forward and pitching it because I didn't want it to ever be, you know, oh gosh, now I got it. And now what? And that's when you fail. So I think that's really important. I also like doing kind of like weekly reflections. You know, what worked this week? What didn't work this week? What did I knock out of the park? What did I rock so awesomely? Oh, this I didn't do so well. How can I do it better? So it's kind of good to have those conversations as long as you always make sure that you have some really positive feedback for yourself um, because you don't want it to be like, you know, you're a loser conversation. <laughs> like, you know, cause being in business for yourself or launching your business or your career is really stressful. So you don't want to be really mean to yourself, but you want to have like an honest review. You know, how are my numbers looking? Am I on target? Did I do enough action plans that are in alignment with my goals? Um, should I have said no to these opportunities? Should I have said yes to this? Should I have asked for more money? 
all those things. But I, I kind of do that at the end of the week. I kind of review to see like what I did, how did I do, can I be better? And then every time we go to kind of grow bigger, we always look at every single like avenue of Femme City, like every department to say, okay, are these all like super solid? Can we add a hundred new locations? Okay. It looks like we can. Let's do it. Yeah. And I love that you point out that you need to look at what you've done well, what you've yes. rocked at, because that is a lot harder for women yeah. to do, but it's so yeah. important. Yep. It's super hard for us to do. And that's why we incorporate it in our, in our gatherings because we saw, and you know, what's so funny in a side kind of way is when we started incorporating that in a local um, atmosphere, women started crying because they had never heard other women doing it. Mm -hmm. And at first I was like, Oh, that's so beautiful. But then I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so sad. Like, you know, like that's so sad that we just don't do it enough for ourselves or for others. And it's almost like we should do homework, like every day, like three beautiful things you did that were scary, that you didn't know how you were going to do it, that you're really proud of, you know, like today I got a CT scan on my heart. Like that's something like, you know what, doesn't sound like a really big deal, but I've been procrastinating that since February. So that's definitely going on my list this week of like, I did it. You know, I went and it was scary. I don't know why, but it was, and I did it. And so when you acknowledge the greatness within yourself, then more of that kind of flourishes. But if you just sit there and you're hammer like, oh my gosh, I'm such a loser. I can't believe it. Another day goes by, you know, didn't do what I said I was going to do. Like, that's not good. That's not going to help you in your greater purpose. You know, like be kind. Yeah, definitely. So I'd love if you could give three action steps based on all of the stuff that we've talked about that somebody could take today or this week to move forward in their business and make some changes. Okay. So the first one is reconnect or reconfirm the love and the passion for the work that you're doing now. Like do that exercise that we talked about and see like, are you using your talent? Are you combining it with your skills? Are you set? Are you happy with where you're going? Is that in the direction you want to be in? That's a beautiful exercise to do because it'll either shift you. You'll either have some aha wake up moments and go, oh my gosh, like I'm totally off track or, oh wow, I'm really on track. Like it feels good to have that connectivity to where you're going. We all want to live a purpose and we all want to have meaning in our lives. Um, so we definitely do that exercise. The second thing is I would highly encourage those listening to see how they can be more of service to those around them, whether it's friends or coworkers or those that you work with or your neighbors or your family, whoever it is, like how can you be more of service to them? How can you approach life from that perspective? Because a lot of our stresses and anxiety will go away. I think sometimes we expect so much from the world and we get disappointed, but if we take it from this perspective, we get to a place of serenity and peace. And that's a really beautiful place to be in without expecting anything in return. Just be more of service, be more kind. And the last one is to review, to see like how you're doing. Like if you do have a business, see where your numbers are um, for your action steps that you're doing. Is the money coming back to you? Are you getting back what you're putting in? What is out of alignment? What needs to be fixed? What needs to be corrected? And obviously, you know, give yourself three shout outs a day, you know, put that in your homework to just say three kind things of yourself. And it's not like you're happy or like, I'm happy. I did good today. Like really be specific. Like I'm, I was really brave today. You know, I did something that was really scary or 
I was really kind to someone who was very mean, <laughs> you know, like it could be something like that too. Just recognize really the beauty within yourself because it will then shine even more so and people will see that and you'll get more out of life. All right. I love those three. And I was going to say, you know, when you talk about being of service to people, not just in your business, I remember when we had our first child three months ago and my husband came home to like take a shower and our friends had dropped off food in our fridge and like paper plates and cups. And it was just so kind of them yes. to do that for us. And it felt so good for us because we knew we could come home and not have to worry about it. And it was simple. It didn't cost a lot of money. It didn't take them a lot of time, but it made a huge difference for us. Yes. Isn't that beautiful? And you'll always remember that. Yep. 10 years from now, you'll remember that. We had... Um, one of our members taught this class a couple years ago, and it was um, all about how to handwrite notes. And it was so beautiful because she says what she does is she actually, um, she's got a podcast and she's got these amazing guests on there. And the way she does it is she writes handwritten notes to people that she subscribes to their emails. And at the bottom, it's got an address. And she actually sends them a handwritten note that's authentic of gratitude. And then she says that they reach out because who does that anymore? Like who does that? You know, like it just stands out. Like you were saying, like those friends of yours did that. Like who does that? That's like so beautiful. You will always remember someone who's very kind and goes out of their way to express gratitude to you. It yes. just, if you want to really develop your circle of, of influence, that's the way to start is just making those small acts of kindness because they will remember you. I mean, 10 years from now, you know, at happy hour, you'll be like, you know what? This, I remember that, that year, it was so nice. Like I so needed that. Or my neighbor watched the baby so I can take a shower. You know, because it was yeah. so nice. I hadn't taken a shower in three days. Um, so like, that's what I'm talking about. Like society needs to go back to that place. That's where the beauty of life is. And that little, those little moments. Yes. So we always wrap up with a couple of questions. And the first one is, can you give an example of how serving your clients or your community members well has benefited your business? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I think a lot of times when I'm in newspapers or magazines, it comes from being of service. So um, just something kind of small, but we moved um, to a new city and I was asked to speak at their chamber of commerce event. I went to that. And then the friend of mine who runs that chamber like recommended me for another thing. And then now like I'm in this local magazine, like, you know, that was really nice. And that just came from being of service. Um, you know, I'm involved in this really big summit with some really big leaders and CEOs like, like blown away. That came from being of service, you know, where people just know the work that I do and I could go on and on. I mean, it just, it always comes back whenever you're of service to other people, the opportunities, people recognize that you know, be someone of your word, be accountable, um, follow up all the time, be kind and, and you will be memorable. People will always remember that. But yeah, I've, um, so many opportunities. That's awesome. So can you tell me two things that you're loving right now? They can be business or life or both. I am loving, we bought this 1920s house, <laughs> this old Spanish villa. Um, I'm loving that, we are creating this beautiful home. You know, our kids are older. We have one that lives in New York City. We have another one that lives in Berlin. And then we have a little munchkin who's 13 that's still living with us. But um, we're finally creating like the family home. So that's really, I love creativity and design. So I'm definitely getting my creative juices out from this project. And business-wise, I'm really excited that I'm at the point with Femme City that I have the time 
to work on really developing our communities around the world, you know, doing um, more, obviously more beautiful podcasts like yours, getting into more magazines and newspapers, people knowing about us. Um, I think it's really beautiful. I feel like it's really important for women now more than ever to um, find community where we all have differences, but when you come to a Femme City gathering, all that goes out the window, and the only thing that binds us is that we just believe in the power of unity and community. And um, I think that's what's fueling me. I wake up every morning now really on fire to launch this around the world because I just think that we just need a safe place to gather and to just be ourselves and to find a, a network of women that want the best for us as well. Yeah, that's a really exciting place to be in business. Yes, finally. <laughs> finally, I'm here. <laughs> All right. What are you excited for that's coming up in the future? Um, I, I'm excited. We've got, I've got, we've got some really cute um, and cool partnerships coming up in August and September. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it out loud, but I'm excited about those partnerships coming up. I have loved Mary Claire Magazine for like the longest time. I'm excited that I have a little snippet in one uh, issue coming up soon. That's really cool. Um, I'm excited that, you know, we are featuring more founders in our um, online presence. And I love sharing those stories. I feel like when we share the stories of other founders, like the real stories of like the struggles and the challenges and like um, how we had to go through so much, I think it really inspires others to move forward. I think nowadays with influencers on social media that everyone looks so perfect, mm -hmm. everything is so beautiful that it's very discouraging to some of those that are watching the sidelines, you know, like I don't look that way or I can't ever have that. Or, you know, it seems like overnight success is just so normal. And I think that plays a lot in kind of like psyching people out and kind of generating this negative vibe when they do have challenges. So I'm excited that we're sharing more of those stories because as every woman shares their truth and their struggles, it empowers other women to then recognize that what they conceived as failures are actually just part of the path. I mean, that's, you know, like when a child learns how to walk, they're going to fall. They are, you know, when they eat bitter food, they're going to spit it out. I mean, it's just part of being human. And I wish someone had told me that. I wish, you know, when I started my first business at the age of 22, I wish someone had said to me, you're going to fail. And that's part of it and embrace it and just be in love with it because that means you're not going to do it again and you will do better the next time. Versus like when I failed, I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to do that. I'll just close my company. You know, like, you know, no one's going to ever hire me and um, go through all those kind of negative conversations. Yeah. So where can people find you online if they want to connect and learn more about FemCity? Sure. So you can um, connect with me on Instagram or Twitter um, or Facebook. It's all my handles are the same. It's at Violet de Ayala. And um, you can always find me also on femcity.com. And um, we have a 30-day free trial. So if you want to take some of our classes, I invite you to do that. We're just here to help all women. We're on a mission to help a million women grow and launch a business. So every time a new business is formed because of FemCity, I literally do a happy dance. <laughs> so I have to do a lot of happy dances. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and being open about the struggles that you guys have gone through and the success that you've seen. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show. 